I've often said that I wanted to be in the mafia. It's very true, but I think that I should have something else besides that, but I really kind of don't. And I said, well, who's going to fill up the shelf where the water bottles used to be? And they said, no one. And it hit me right in the back of the head and it came out my mouth. I will. Next thing I knew in pretty record time, I was flying that airplane. Please stay away from Portland. I'm trying to give Portland to Washington if anybody wants to vote for that. So many things would break so often and so many things I would try were such bad ideas. But it was like, Travis, your idea just didn't work. That's fine. That didn't work. But let's go on to the next idea. I, I met with Tesla. They just brought Elon yeah. and they were like, would you put a hydro flask in every Tesla? I was like, eh, I don't think you guys are going to take off. It doesn't really seem like a good idea. This guest is incredibly multifaceted. He's a business broker, airline pilot, professional speaker, started his own advising group, and last but certainly not least, invented the Hydro Flask. Please welcome Travis Rosbeck to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Good to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you again, too. I know we tried to do this one other time and then ran into some technical difficulties, so I'm glad we got the chance to sit back down and do it again. This will be just as good, if not better. It, we got to make it better. We always got to level up one yeah. one more than the last. Well, uh, I'm, I'm totally down for that. And, you know, actually, like, while I was trying to come up with questions, like, I have a couple of the same questions last, as last time, but I was like, you know, I want to bring something new to the table. And I sort of found out that any topic I could name, you could jump right in, including gangster rap. Just as a quick, like, playful intro to the podcast, who are some of your favorite rappers of all time? Not even necessarily, like, the top or the best, just who do you like to listen to? I would say Easy E is number one favorite all time. I think Easy was, to me, he was like the grandfather of gangster rap. And I know that Dre was there with him and Cube, Ice Cube was there with him. And, and, and then, you know, later on, other people came around before they took him out. But I would say Easy E, hands down, far and away. Um, I, I still really, you know, it, I'm, it's interesting because as I've gotten older, I, when I listen to it, I'm like, well, that's quite naughty. You know, like we do not talk like that. But at the same time, just a really talented musician and, and lyrical gangster. Just mm -hmm. and I, just, I love Easy Eve's, um, you know, Easy Does It album, really. Um, the others were were OK, but he was starting to kind of stray I, I really would be interested if he was still alive what he would be coming out with today um but back in the day ice tea around the power uh days um uh, nas not little nas x not the satanic guy but the og nas um the nwa yes i used to listen to two live crew a bit and that was always quite cheeky, um, always good for, for, you know, a laugh, I guess. And, but yeah, I'd say, and then Ice Cube, I really liked Ice Cube's older stuff, uh, America's Most Wanted, and Lethal Injection was maybe kind of where I stopped kind of listening to it as much. Dre, in the early days, I think The Chronic was great, but after... 
after that, he kind of became a little too tied in with organizations and his, you know, everything changed at that point. And I don't yeah. respect that. I don't, you know, like uh, Eminem, you know, back in the early days before he kind of started glitching out on camera and stuff. Um, I, I like Marshall and um, yeah, I, I, I am still very much a, a gangster rap fan. West Coast, I should say. I do like a little bit of Biggie, um, a little bit of Tupac, although Tupac was very much like, he was very California, LA, like, which I know that's what West yeah. Coast is, <laughs> but Tupac was, um, I like Tupac. There's some good Tupac stuff that, that I still listen to still on my, on my playlists. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, you have, you're ready to jump into really anything. Yeah, you name it, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. And so really, like, I want to get into more of the, like, entrepreneurial hydroplast side. I mean, when you were a kid growing up, what did you think you would be doing? Because I, I don't think you ever imagined, you know, coming up with, like, a metal water bottle that's going to sell all over the world. So what what other, like, dreams did you have as a kid growing up? I've, I've often said that I wanted to be in the mafia and I think, I mean, it's very, it's very true, but I think that I should have something else besides that, but I really kind of don't. I, I, even at 45, I still don't really know what I want to do at 46. You know, it's like, I just want to live my life to the fullest and, and the most uh, abundant that I can and, and that started very early. I, I didn't, I didn't appreciate the school system trying to force me into one vocation. I didn't appreciate them trying to tell me I had to go to college and I had to do one thing and only do that one thing. I watched my grandpa do one thing his whole life. And then I saw what happened after he retired and the whole retirement process. And I was like, damn, that's just not worth it. That's horrible. Like that's that how boring to get up and know exactly what you're doing in seven days a week for the rest of your life. And then he retired and I watched that whole process and he got like this like cheap gold, fake gold watch and he got like a jacket and, and, and some stock in the company and that was about it. And I was like, I, I'm not going to do that. I know that. And then when I met my dad, when I was 14, I was like, I'm going to go down to the Virgin Islands and I'm going to go scuba diving, maybe own the dive shop someday and um, something to do with business. But I had no idea that it would be inventing uh, a water bottle. I had no clue. Yeah. And I mean, what, when you try to like start a business, you know, I'm sure you have plenty of experience, but when you did you have sort of one moment where you like thought of the hydro flask water bottle and you had like an aha moment that you thought it was going to be a great idea? I, I kind of did. And yet also I kind of did not. Um, there was a point at which I had gone into a sporting goods store inside uh, in, in Honolulu and I wanted to buy a reusable water bottle. And at that time they were made out of plastic and I walked in and asked and they said, no, we don't have them. And this new stuff called BPA, we're not sure what it is, but as a preliminary 
a precautionary measure. They pulled them all from the shelves. And I said, well, who's going to fill up the shelf? And there's this huge wall that was where the water bottles used to be. And they said, no one, there was nobody else, uh, you know, doing water bottles. And it hit me right in the back of the head, which is called the cerebellum. And it came out my mouth. I will, I will do that. I will fill up this wall. And the guy kind of, he laughed at me, but I saw myself in the future talking about this highly successful water bottle company. And I was like, it kind of like shook me because I had a very real vision of it being very successful. And yet I knew nothing about water bottles. And so from that point forward, it was almost like the odds were stacking in my favor. And the more I tried not to do water bottles, because I had a very successful sign and screen printing agency, and I wasn't looking to do anything else. I was trying to be content. I was trying to just be serious and, and focus on one thing, which I'm not usually great at, but I was trying my damnedest to just be focused, be here, just this. And the more I would try, the more the water bottle idea would just hit me in the head or it would just show up on my desk or somebody would say something. And it was like, eventually I, I bought some of the competitors, aluminum bottles and uh, stainless steel single wall bottles and they sucked. And I was like, if this is the best there is, then this is, this is not good. And somebody needs to make something better what about me? And, and so I did have that one cerebellum hit, but then after that, everything just kind of started to stack up in my favor. Hey, if you're like me and you're interested in the YouTube or creator space, you should check out the Publish Press. The Publish Press is a completely free newsletter founded by YouTubers Colin and Samir. They host their own podcast talking to some of YouTube's largest creators, They've edited some of the best content I've seen on YouTube, and now they're sharing their knowledge about the YouTube space with you for free. The published press comes out three times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, with everything going on with your favorite creators and platforms. And like I said, it's completely free. Just enter your email address to receive the published press whenever it comes out, and that's it. So what are you waiting for? Click the link in the description below, sign up to the published press, and get all the info you need on the industry. And had you ever, that sort of like repeated process of like having it brought up or like this vision that you talked about of like seeing you have this successful company, hadn't you had that in the past with maybe the sign printing business or anything else? Or was that like the first time you had experienced that? That's a great question. Actually, I had had it before when I was a boat captain. I was on a yacht and I quit just all of a sudden one afternoon I got offered this huge position and cash and everything I'd ever dreamt of. And I said, nope, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I had no safety net. I had nothing else going on. I had no idea what I was going to do. And I walked down the gangplank and I saw a seaplane take off. And again, it hit me in the cerebellum. This was the first time it hit me and it came out my mouth. I'm a pilot. I'm going to do that. I'm going to fly those seaplanes. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then the next day I was at the grocery store and I just so happened to see this flying magazine and it was like the lights turned on and it just, I was at the checkout and I couldn't afford my dinner and the magazine both. 
So I had to put back the hot dogs and just buy the macaroni and cheese and gallon of water in order to afford the magazine. But when I got that magazine in my hands, it was like the Holy Grail. It was like this, this text that I just somehow knew my future was somehow in it. And I got it home and I poured through every single word on every single page. And I started calling the flight shops and they all said, no, it's 180 grand. And like, I had no breakfast tomorrow because I didn't get my hot dog. You guys just giving up the hot dogs to get in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, they're asking me for 180K. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. And the more it did not work, the more I just kept trying. I kept calling. I got down to the very final flight school in the back of the magazine. And I was like, I have no money. And they go, well, you need to go to college and get loans, student loans, Pell Grants and, and you know whatever the grant language is. I had no idea what that meant, but I was like, what does that mean? Well, they're like free money. I'm in, done, let's do that. And, and so once I found out there was free money to go to college, like, okay, well that got me up to Oregon where my great grandma had just died and her house was vacant. So I had a free place to stay. And it was like, things just kind of started to stack in my favor. And the more they would stack in my favor, the more conscious I would become of them, the other, the more other ancillary things would start to kind of show up and be like, hey, I can help. What about this? Oh, I know a guy. Oh, if you call her, she can help you do that. And it was like the more I put myself out there and the more I put out that I am a pilot, I, the more I was a pilot. And then next thing I knew, I, you know, in, in pretty record time. Even with 9-11 happening, I was flying that same exact airplane that I saw take off from the water. I was flying it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And and so, you know, like, I mean, airline pilot, boat captain are just a, a couple of them. But looking through your resume, you have so many different, like, licenses and titles. I mean, like, scuba diving, yoga instructor, the list goes on. Where does your desire come from to like get all these licenses and try all these different things? I, I think I think the the answer is I don't know, but I do know that I've always wanted to live a life that was very full. I always wanted to kind of live life my way. I wanted to do things my way and I wanted to have fun. I wanted to get paid for something that other people paid good money to do. And I remember flying, I was flying private jets, hanging out with billionaires. And I was like, this billionaire is paying to fly this jet, which is awesome because I get to fly the jet, but I also get to hang out with the billionaire and learn from him. And I get to learn about business. And I get, you know, it's like everything I would do would help me kind of become a better person so that I could level myself up. So I always wanted to do different things that would add to the, the repertoire, you know, the, the genre that is Travis. And I always just wanted to have fun, you know, and, and, and do things that maybe not a lot of other people were doing or didn't really think that they could do. And then 
after I started, after I got into something, I wanted to do it a hundred percent. There, like I don't understand ninety nine point nine nine percent. I once I'm in, I'm fully engaged. I'm fully immersed. I'm learning the history. I'm learning the. I start with the vocabulary. I start with the idiots guide books. The dummies, um, you know, consulting for dummies is right here. I mean, this is where it all starts. I have flying and gliding and boat captaining and becoming a millionaire all starting with the vocabulary and then once i know the vocabulary and i know how the pilots walk and how they dress and where they hang out and how they how they just carry themselves well now i can start to carry myself like a pilot i can associate with these eagles you know kind of metaphorically speaking uh and no pun intended and then I just became a pilot and flew the jets that I always wanted to fly. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome that you really, like, you you recognize that you may not have background or experience in something, and you start at the ground level. You go, like you said, to the vocabulary and sort of up from there. You don't try to just, like, jump in with no background or experience. And I think that's really, like, important skill to have to not like take for granted how seemingly easy something might be um and now like going back a bit more to the hydro flask side you know you have this idea you start building aluminum water bottles you start to build up the company how did you go about marketing this like aluminum water bottle well we were the first to do the double wall vacuum insulated stainless steel and so nobody had ever seen ice stay cold or hot stay hot in a bottle that you could kind of everyday carry. We all had kind of distant memory of this old school company called Thermos that was around. My, my grandfather had this one up on the shelf here. My grandfather had this old, heavy, ugly thermos that stunk and it weighed 800 pounds and there was glass inside of it and he'd keep his coffee in it when we go fishing or whatever and it was kind of it was archaic and so when that new modern water bottle kind of came out and you know there was a couple one one company was doing aluminum and they had bpa in them another was doing single wall and they were doing pretty well with their single wall especially with the california crowd but it, I wanted to have something that we could do at the beach and up on the mountain and I can still have water. If I go climb a mountain, my water's not frozen. If I go surf, I come back in, my water's not so hot that I can't drink it. And so when we achieved that with Hydroflask, it was, it was actually fairly straightforward marketing. It was hot, cold liquid Do yeah. you liquid yeah you're a candidate Do you like your water either hot or cold or at least even the temperature you put it in well then you're a candidate and so you know my my initial instinct was to just mass spread it out to the to the world but that gets expensive and so the best piece of advice i had for the marketing for the hydro flask was somebody told me about an ancillary product they said if you can if you can market to your hometown demographics, if you can just market it to where you are and then let them spread it for you, you'll be okay. And so I took that approach. I was like, well, what if we just 
concentrate on Portland, Oregon before it turned out to be, well, it was still always kind of whack, but before it's as whack as it is now, please stay away from Portland. Um, I'm trying to give Portland to Washington if anybody wants to vote for that. Um, and, and also if I could keep Sign it in bend, <laughs> if I could keep it in bend and, and keep the locals happy, I knew as long as we had customer service, a lifetime warranty, and, and we have we gave them something that I would want that they would then give it on to others further afield. And that's exactly how it happened. Are you a music artist trying to find a way to get your music on as many streaming platforms as possible? Then check out DistroKid. DistroKid is a super user-friendly and super easy to use service that will make your music available in stores like Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon Music, YouTube, Snapchat, everything. Everything you could imagine, it's available. People will even be able to add your songs into their Instagram stories. DistroKid helps you with the distribution, monetization, and promotion of all of your music. Use the link in the description of this video for 7% off any DistroKid package you want. Pick from musician packages designed to help artists get their own music out there, or even get a label package where you can manage up to 100 artists from one profile. So that's more for like managers, labels, and you can also get the musician package that I mentioned earlier, which is more for artists, producers, things like that. And super easy, and you can get 7% off any package right now with the link in the description of this video. So once again, if you're looking for a way to get your music on as many streaming platforms as possible, I'm talking any platform you can think of, get DistroKid and get 7% off right now with the link in the description back to the program do you think i mean it it seems like it definitely could be but do you think that sort of like hometown first strategy could work for businesses of like all kinds or do, do you think there was something special about hydro flasks specifically that made that strategy work i think a little bit of both i think that um because we had patents and patents pending that were, they were just design patents at that time, but at the same time, the word patent and patent pending kind of ke uh, kept away the would-be competitors a little bit. And so I think that when we, you know, we're kind of focusing small, it helped. But then the other thing we started doing was going to a lot of trade shows. And at the trade shows, we picked up sales reps. And I, I kind of, I don't want to say I forgot about the sales reps, but I kind of let the sales reps do their thing. And so they started, you know, going out to the East Coast and the Midwest and down South and internationally, you know, we started going international pretty quick. Um, but I always, I always kept that hometown, let's take care of Bend, let's take care of Oregon at the forefront. And I think that staying small, um, or not, I mean, we didn't really stay small, but we, we concentrated yeah. and focused the efforts of the marketing specifically locally. And I think that that can work for some businesses, but it also kind of gives me a little bit of concern because if you have a good idea and you just keep it, you know, in your basement and nobody really finds out, or you're down at your local quickie mart, mm, you know, like it's somebody can not have that like 
spreadability yeah right yeah and, and then you get knocked off and then somebody who has more money you know because there's always a company who has a bigger marketing budget so you're always kind of competing with that 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 was always in the back of my mind is that yeah we're dope but that company's dumb but they have more money to market than we do and you know um you know yeah <laughs> yeah and marketing's really like half the battle <laughs> and so and um, what are, I mean, if there are any, uh, like building up Hydroflask, do you think there are any uh, mistakes you ran into or like bumps in the road that sort of hindered the progress of the company? Um, that's, it's a, that's a tricky question because like so many things would break so often and so many things I would try were such bad ideas in hindsight, but in the heat of the moment, it was like, Hey, Travis, your idea just didn't work. You just broke that. I'm like, okay, well that's fine. That didn't work, but let's go on to the next idea. Okay. The next one worked great. Now we're in, you know, now we're in the UK. Okay. Next idea. Oh, that broke. That was horrible idea, Travis. Why would you come up with that? I, I don't know. But now we're in Europe. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. So I think that I, I know that there were a lot of mistakes made. I know I, I dropped the ball multiple times on, on different ideas that I, I, I was certain would take off and, and they didn't. But I don't have any real, for example, for instances, because I kind of didn't, I, I don't hold that. I don't think about the failure. I just say, well, if if that didn't work, what part of it did work? What part of it didn't work? Let's drop what didn't. Let's take what did. Let's move on to the next one with what did, and let's add this to it. And now that we have this new 2.0, let's go do this 2.0 and see how that goes. And 2.0 would work or it wouldn't. It would have to go on to 8.0. By the time we get to 8.0, it's like, okay, boom. See, told you that would work. Now we're in Cabela's. Oh, okay, cool. We got into Cabela's with 8.0. So, you know, like, I, I don't, I, I do remember one time that um, I, I met with Tesla and they were brand new. We were at New York or they'd been around a while, but they'd gone through all kinds of, they hadn't really come out with the new cars yet. And they just brought Elon yeah. and they said, um, we, I met them in New York and they were like, would you put a hydro flask in every Tesla? I was like, eh. I don't think you guys are going to take off. It doesn't really seem like a good idea. Nobody really has electric vehicles. Uh, this big guy, Elon, he's kind of, he's kind of almost kind of creepy, kind of odd. I don't know. I, I, we don't have enough bottles. No, thank you. And they're like, we're Tesla. I'm like, yeah, that really doesn't mean anything to anybody. You know, this was 2009, you know, yeah. and it was like, mm, I, I'm not into that, you know, so no. Um, that's something that I, I really wish that, that I would have pursued was just yeah. more time with Elon and Tesla. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, I mean, now that would have been probably one of like the biggest partnerships in the world. I mean, like everywhere you go, almost no matter what city you see a Tesla driving around somewhere. Yeah. Be um, out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, it seems like, you know, you're, you accept that you might've made mistakes, but learn from them and sort of develop and evolve them so that they become like good practices or something that ended up helping the company. Um, 
So that, that seems like a great way to sort of keep moving forward, you know, despite failures that you might have had. Um, and, you know, since starting out with the core like Hydroflask bottle, you've sort of branched out into a bunch of different things like tumblers, kitchenware, just like all over the place. Do you see Hydroflask like expanding into even more products or are you, do you think you're at like a level that you're satisfied with for now? Well, I sold Hydroflask a number of years back and I haven't really seen them do anything that wasn't from my original playbook. I, I, when I left, I, I kind of gave them some sketches and some drawings, some ideas, and they've, they've executed those over the years and they haven't really branched much further outside of the obvious. And so I think that especially since they were acquired by a massive corporation that has hair dryers and kitchen utensils and things like that. I think that they're pretty well established with the insulated drinkware category and it works. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't know exactly what the numbers are today, but it is a, you know, I can imagine it's a, it's at least a billion dollar brand. And yeah, if, it's, if it's working, it's working. Why reinvent the wheel? And I can appreciate that. I don't, I think that if they were to start doing sleeping bags and tents, it would deter. Plus, I think they also own Osprey. So they can let Osprey do that. Of course, that might've changed. There was something in the news the other day about Osprey and Hydroflask, but I don't really keep up with it much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on all the products you have for this, I mean, like you said, billion dollar company, where at first did that, you know, now iconic logo come from, you know, the sort of like figure with all the, I mean, I have my Hydroflask bottle right here. You can maybe see it just like that guys. And there were all the lines coming out of his head. Where does that idea come from? Well, when we, so my partner and I started in Oahu originally, and the first samples, they said, hey, we need a name and we need a logo. And I was like, for what? And they're like, well, so that we can screen print and show you that we can screen print. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that does make a lot of good sense. Yeah, this is a brand. Okay. Um, so my brother came up with the name Hydroflask. I hated it. I was like, flask whiskey hangovers like that's never going to take off uh -huh. uh, nobody wants to think about drinking out of a flask under the burnside bridge and sure enough there we were selling hydro flask under the burnside bridge like hotcakes um but the logo originally was a actually i have it right here it was a wave yeah. that was the original one when we were in oahu when we got home when i came back home to bend we had enough money at some point where we hired a marketing company and it was this really stupid, expensive marketing company. And the first thing they said was, you need a new logo. I'm like, okay, what, what do you have? And they came in and basically they'd gone to 99 designs and they paid 1500 bucks or whatever it was and got like 500 designs. And, um, at that point, I fired him. I was like, nope, if you guys are going to hire out, you know, $1,500 contractor, I'll just hire out the $1,500. I'll, I'll just go straight to them. What do I have you I'll for? <laughs> go straight to the source. I'm not paying you guys a, you know, a finder's fee. And none of their 
logos I liked. And I think it was from the ones that I did not like that I kind of came up with an idea that I did like. But at that point, all I could really do is draw it on a piece of paper. And since we had fired the marketing company, we had a little bit of money to spend on a real life graphic design human. And so um, got really lucky with Alice. She came in as our first really full-time in-house graphic designer. And the first or second day she was in, I was like, hey, I got an idea. What do you think of this picture? And she's like, wow, I love it. Let's change it. I was like, yes, good. Let's do that. So Alice and I started just drawing and, and, and coming up and with the logo and um, the H guy just kind of took off and, and stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And it, I mean, <laughs> so how long did that, you know, sort of process take from original wave design to Alice's redesign of the H guy? Like how, how long was that period of time? Oh gosh, probably about eight months, which means probably about Mm, 15,000 bottles maybe we had made with the old logo and then when we got the new logo I was still kind of in the experimental stage for the first couple years where I kept improving the bottle and and the factory as as we grew the factory was able to grow as the factory grew the more equipment the better equipment the more we could kind of experiment with insulation methods and, and the technologies, you know, how do we insulate the bottle? How does the bottle look? And, and so for the first couple of years, everything was kind of in flux. It was always like, well, if it doesn't work, we know that they will sell because we had enough of a following and there's kind of, we were building that sort of cult following that people were buying three and five and 20 different bottles, you know, over the, time that we were changing the designs and everything so i knew that they would sell but i also kind of had a well if it doesn't work or if i don't like it or if, if if we if we don't like it or somebody doesn't like it we can always change it later also mentality like it the good news is, is it's going to keep your ice cold it's going to keep your hot hot what's on the outside is kind of an ancillary aspect of it yeah and, we can dial it and tweak it as we go. And, and that's kind of what, what happened up until about yeah, two years. I, I wonder, I mean, I haven't personally seen anything, but I wonder, have you gotten any wind or like seen anything online of people like selling off like old design hydro flasks for like a profit being like, oh, look at this like original logo hydro flask, anything like that? You know, I, I don't know. I haven't really looked. Um, I have a whole, I have a, actually, I have a 40 foot shipping container in my, I have a few of them in, in my yard and uh, they're full of those old bottles. And so let me know if you know of anybody buying them because I got some for sale. If so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know of anyone, but honestly, I might be interested. I mean, the Wave logo from what I can see here looks awesome. So, you know, I'll definitely, I'll definitely stay in touch. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll split, yeah, we'll split it or we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now let's say like someone watching this feels like they have 
a great idea for a company or a business or what like whatever it is um but they don't have the experience you know sort of like you said you're in that shop and you're like i will but i have no clue what i'm doing here uh, do you think someone needs like a business degree or a business background to start a successful business i think yes and no i think having business experience is very helpful i think to go into business with no experience and think that you're going to hit it out of the park is probably unrealistic. But I also do believe that if you don't have any business experience, you can gain that business experience without necessarily having to go to a four-year degree program or six-year degree program to get it. I think with the idiots books and with just enough YouTube and enough, you know, asking nowadays we have these things called mentors and, you know, there's plenty of people to reach out to and you can either buy them a cup of coffee or give them 500 bucks for an hour and, and pick their brain and learn everything they have. And I think $500 an hour is a lot cheaper than four years and 500,000 or 150,000 for an education. But um, I'm, I also, you know, I'm very cautious that, or conscious and would caution those who just get into business that, um, it, you know, it can be very expensive and it can be very overwhelming with, um, you know, hours spent in the trenches learning and doing and building and growing. But again, there's enough courses online these days to pretty much do whatever you want. You know, for $2,000, you can do a course on how to do I actually am building a course right now on how to build your own product, how to you know source a factory, a contract manufacturer, how to bring your own product to, to life. And so I it's I know I know it's very much possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean it's definitely important what you said, because I mean it seems like every sort of industry or venture like has that story of like you see someone who's now made it like a company that's now big, a music artist that's now made it. And every time you talk to them or hear interviews with them, they're like, yeah, it was years before like I got discovered or anything. I was, you know, working hard, like in, in my parents' basement, you know, things like that. All those stories that you keep on hearing, like at some point it, it doesn't by any means become a constant, but it's not by no means a rare thing. It's very common that you see things. Uh, like that and you know one of one of those many <laughs> ventures that you've gone on is to start your own advising group the to tomorrow group am I pronouncing that right how is it actually we just changed it to just travisrossback.com just to keep it simple. all right travisrossback.com um, what sort of can you tell us about that what does the group do just anything that you know involves travisrossback.com yeah basically we are doing, I, I have a team I work with and I just, just want to get my content out of my head. I just want to help people in their entrepreneurial endeavors and in their life in general. And so we are building courses for manufacturing. We're going to build an entrepreneurial course. And in the meantime, um, you know, every, everything from $500 for consulting all the way up to I have a $100,000 program where I work with typically high net worth individuals over the span of a year. 
and a lot of one-on-one -on -one time or we go to their factories and we go through their factory and go through the whole manufacturing process and so it's 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 what I love. I love doing business. I love finding new businesses and helping businesses grow. I love growing brands and I enjoy helping people. I enjoy consulting and advising in, in business as a whole because I get to learn and I get to kind of uh, practice everything that I have learned. And I really enjoy watching the outcomes. You know, after a year of working together, the business has gone from here to like up there somewhere. It, it, it's just, it's so satisfying and it, it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm just having fun, still doing business. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I'm, is that sort of the uh, project that you're most involved with right now or that you're like working on currently? It is. Yeah. Right now. And, and there's always offshoots that pop up along the way. You know, people come along as a client or, you know, some people come in for the $500 one hour and then they leave and I've got equity and we we're growing the brand together and we're off to the races with that, you know, going off to, we, we can now go into China again. And so we can go see those factories uh, we're looking a lot at Mexico and the United States for manufacturing, which is a lot of fun. And so I, I never know what the day is going to hold. And that's what I love about doing what I'm doing is that I have no idea what I'm going to do Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it's the exact opposite of your <laughs> grandfather woke up knowing exactly what he's doing every day. You have no clue what you're doing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's terrifying and exhilarating at the exact same time, and I'd have it no other way. <laughs> and, you know, the last question that I have for you here today, do you ever plan on, like, retiring by any means, or do you think you'll always be involved with something, working on some project? I hope that I never retire. I really, really hope that I never get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm done with business. I don't want anything to do with anybody and I don't want anything to do with any business. That, that I don't think would ever happen. However, I do believe there will be a time where I turn off travisrossback.com. People can't really find me anymore because I'm now completely behind the curtain and I'm working over here with these businesses doing this stuff and and no more of the, of the public facing. So yeah. that would be my ideal retirement or my idea of retirement would to kind of step behind the curtain and, and say, as much as I enjoy your podcast, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I'm glad that I got the chance to while you're still doing it. <laughs> I enjoy so, it. Um, yeah. And I mean, that sounds great. You know, no, like, None, none of the sort of pressure, like scheduling of going out and doing public facing things, but still doing the part that you love, which is like the more business behind the scenes uh, side. So it seems like that's like sort of the perfect retirement plan for you. Um, it is, but, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, those are all the questions I had for you here today. And I know you're not big on social media. So rather than your own social media platforms, just anything that you want to promote or shout out, feel free to do it now. 
Well, it's interesting because you're absolutely right. Just yesterday, the director of operations turned on Facebook again, <laughs> just yesterday. And so I am on LinkedIn. I am now on Facebook. And I think that the Facebook is going to be like a business page, Travis Rossback or travisrossback.com. And then also, um, besides Facebook, typically LinkedIn is kind of a good place to reach out or info at Travis Rossback, T-R-A-V-I-S-R-O-S-B-A-C-H.com. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'll leave a link to some of those down below. And, you know, good luck on any upcoming ventures you have. I appreciate it. It's good to see you again, Heroic. Yeah, good to see you.